James Heidi Mike Tenai Hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. As always, wonderful to be here today with you. Wallace Chapman here. The controversial British activist Posey Parker is to be allowed into the country. We discussed that just after four. You'll have views on that. The right decision or should it have been banned? Text me 2101. The National Party says it will rewrite the New Zealand curriculum if elected. Teaching the basics brilliantly policy to be released tomorrow. We discuss education after four. And a panel has been in the spotlight for having all male guests organised by the Auckland University Law Student Society. David Blair, Nick, Michael and Nick featured. Where were the women? And more than ever, Kiwis are avoiding the dentist and less than half of us have had our teeth checked in the past year. That on the show. And a new campaign released. It's called Love Better. It'll support young people in breakups. That at 10 to 5. And... We had a run of Fijoa recipes yesterday, thanks to uh, panellist Joe McCarroll bringing in Fijoas. If you didn't know, Fijoas are a New Zealand phenomenon. Everybody in New Zealand has tasted the Fijoa, except for one person. And that person will join us in studio at 4.25 to taste the first Fijoa. And I cannot wait. That's at 425. With me this afternoon, Ali Moore, senior journalist and first-time documentary producer at Stuff. Ali, good to have you on the panel. Kilda Wallace, how are you? I am very well indeed, thank you. Also, Simon Powell, startup brand partner at Previously Unavailable and host of the Business is Boring podcast. Simon, kia ora. Kia ora. Okay, wonderful to have Ali and Simon with me uh, this afternoon. Now, we discussed libraries yesterday. Mayor Wayne Brown said, why can't Auckland libraries be run by a few more volleys? Well, let's go to the other end of the country where the Invercargill Library is involved in a pretty worthwhile worthwhile initiative. The Invercargill City Libraries and the Invercargill Prison have started a groundbreaking initiative to increase literacy within the inmates. In May, a couple of years ago, 2021, Invercargill City Council set an initiative to support increasing literacy for inmates. Studies from UNESCO show literacy in prison can make an important contribution to improving the lives of prison inmates. To discuss we have Tessa Smith as the Invercargill City Library's Community Connections Coordinator. Kia ora, Tessa. Kia ora, Wallace. Well, this is really fascinating. Tell us how this works. So basically what's happening at the moment is my colleague Sinia Thompson and I are going into the Invercargill prison on a weekly basis. Um, one of us goes each week and we uh, help the prisoners pick books, we're helping them set up the library there, we're really trying to facilitate as much access as possible to books and to learning. Um, As you say, like education is one of the most cited things for reducing recidivism in prisons, so we're hoping to be some small part of that by helping people um, interact with libraries in a different way and providing that connection from the Mm. prison into the community. Ali, isn't this just great? Oh, this is such an amazing initiative and uh, I would like to see this nationwide. Yeah, what about that, Tessa? Is that a possibility? 
I mean, I would love to see other libraries um, form this kind of partnership with their local prison. I think it's a really cool initiative to be a part of. Um, I found it very rewarding as a librarian. I know that the inmates find it rewarding. Um, so I would love to see this go further than just in Invercargill. And I understand the initiative was so successful that last year the prison allocated funds to employ a librarian for, uh, what, 10 hours a week. So it's really worked well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, they hired Jane King there um, to do 10 hours a week, getting it really running very smoothly. They got a computer system up and running to catalogue all of the books. Um, And it means that uh, the inmates are getting a lot more personal interaction when they're getting books out. They're not just kind of getting the books dropped off to their cell or their unit library. They're getting a trip to a different part of the prison to choose their own books and getting a lot more decision-making ability. What do you make of this, Simon? Oh, it's so cool. And it's so cool to see corrections opening up to external partners to do things like this. You know, literacy being obviously like the absolute foundation of things, but there's also a cool initiative this reminds me of called Take Two, which is a thing that actually gets um, people in the prison system to learn skills as coders and engineers for software development. And then it has a partnership program with companies who then take them on as uh, workers after they've come out of the prison system and wrap a lot of support around them and help them um, help, help them gain employment with these skills. And it's a really cool initiative with great people behind it and the companies who are making it possible. Um, you know, not, not an easy no. thing maybe to, to take on board as a company, but so cool yeah. to see these initiatives working. Stay there, Tessa. This is a reminder, I suppose, Ali, uh, an example of the service libraries can serve a community. We discussed this yesterday and uh, on the back of the proposed Auckland budget cuts that libraries form a pretty integral part of a cohesion, you know, of a city or a region or a community. It's not just about getting the odd book out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the pivotal factors in this um, is likely to be uh, the fact that there's a librarian actually on site uh, to, you know, to help foster that love of books. It can be confronting for people who who don't read or are not in the uh, practice of reading books regularly um, to find what they like uh, and what they connect with. Um, so ha- having that librarian there, that, that's a great example of, uh, of why we need paid librarians, <laughs> well-paid librarians, uh, in libraries uh, in all sorts of places. Okay, so Tessa, uh, what are the favourites? What are people getting out? It's, it's really interesting. They're very much in two camps. Uh, so you have one group who are really strongly into fantasy and sci-fi, that kind of escapism. Uh, And then on the other side, you have huge non-fiction readers who are just learning about anything and everything. Ancient civilizations are a hugely popular topic. We can never have enough books um, of those. So it's really interesting, the spread. There's not so much reading of just, um, you know, slice-of-life fiction, but definitely that fantasy and non-fiction is really the, the bread and butter of the prison library. Yeah, that escapism sounds like it makes sense. Do you get many kind of calls for kind of tunneling or any kind of you know how-to books? <laughs> we get a lot of how to yeah, build things you, for your kids. <laughs> tunneling. 
<laughs> Simon Pound, honestly. Uh, look, it's lovely to have you on, Tessa, and uh, we might keep in touch with you about how the initiative's going because it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really quite something. Kia ora. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. That's uh, Tessa Smith there from the Invercargill City Library. So uh, going to the other end of the country to see what they're doing with their libraries there. Uh, And indeed, as I said, studies from UNESCO show that literacy in prison can make an important contribution to improving the lives of prison inmates. Uh, As you can well expect, there's a lot of feedback uh, whether or not you think that Posey Parker should be able to come into the country or not, but surprisingly as many are you talking about Fijoas, which that's interesting. Anyway, it is time for I've Been Thinking. Ellie Moore, what's your IBT? Take it away. I've been thinking about the consequences and the sheer a uh, weird place I find myself in entering a space I never expected to be, and that is TikTok. Uh, as a Gen Xer, ah. I've never had much of an interest in TikTok. I have my hands full with Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and, in fact, my kids pretty much banned me years ago of, uh, from, um, from joining TikTok. They didn't want me there. Um, but I've just released my first ever documentary series. It's on stuff.co.nz, but it's also on TikTok. So yesterday I made myself an account so that I could keep an eye on who was watching it and whether it was making an impact. And uh, I've become a little bit addicted (laughs) to seeing the numbers tick up. Uh, The the first part of our documentary has reached 375,000 views, which is properly viral. And I can now see how addictive this thing is. That is extraordinary, uh, Ali. So um, can I ask you, in terms of, uh, you know, Twitter engagement, Facebook, Instagram, uh, how, do you, how would you compare that? Are you a little bit tired of those forums or have you just found something new and unique in TikTok? Oh, I don't know whether I'll hang around in TikTok for very long. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's been useful, very useful to promote this project, Unruly. Um, I tw- Twitter I, I really engage with this time. I scroll. Okay. I very rarely post because it really has become a very strange and unpleasant place since Elon Musk took it over. Uh, Instagram's um, it, is a bit of fun. I don't have that many followers on Instagram, so, you know, I post the things, uh, post my horse riding and various things. Uh, so much less engagement there, though. Uh, while you're here, so you're doing to plug this thing you've been doing, which is uh, called... Yes, uh, I never uh, get to plug anything no. on here, well, so I'm taking my... <laughs> that's, why, that's why I brought it up, Ellie Moore, and uh, I will say for the record, I, uh, I've watched it. Really interesting to watch. Um, to be honest with you, I thought, why, why the hell is this going to be interesting? But it was interesting. It's called Unruly. Um, can I ask you, and by the way, for those who don't know, it's about those those tourists that came and trashed the country, right? <laughs> That's correct. So uh, a lot of people don't remember this. I'm immersed in the story now, so I remember every single detail. But in in the summer of 2019, there was a family uh, of travellers, first thought to be Irish and then um, found to be English, uh, who created a real ruckus. Uh, It was a story driven by the media and the New Zealand public as well. Uh, And it was one of those summer stories, you know, we have 
slow news in the summer yeah. uh, that really captured the outrage of the whole country. And then in 2020, New Zealand Opera's new general director decided to turn it into a comic opera. Uh, and we'd already started, I, I found out about this through the, the writers of the opera who are the Fan Brigade, Livia Rehana and Amanda Kennedy, wonderful comics. Uh, and I immediately jumped on the idea of, of following along as they created this opera. Um, and then all hell broke loose because uh, a third of the board of the opera That's resigned. Right. We- Started yeah. filming then, so it's been a real roller coaster actually. Uh, it's worth a watch. Go to stuff.co.nz and you, you can see it there. You can now watch it. It's quite, uh, it's quite the story, and it feeds into that whole idea of uh, what sort of arts should we be funding. Thank you, Ellie. Yeah, and and I've seen the first part. The parts are dropping kind of day by day. Hey, and it looks so interesting. Yeah, and I absolutely good. love the writers of it. You better sneak your IBT in. We have oh, got two minutes to go. Oh, two minutes. Yeah, get in there. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I just thought I'd just briefly say, like, you know, I work in the tech uh, world and everyone's probably been hearing a bit about all of the AI large language models, mm-hmm. the GPT-3 and 3.5 and 4. And in the last couple of weeks, the amount of new stuff coming out and the level of excitement is like nothing I've ever seen in working in this sector. And I think we really are at one of these, you know, you know, things like Web3 and crypto and NFTs pop up and you're like, I don't know, is this a big deal? And none of those were. But I think this AI thing is going to be so huge in day-to-day life in future in, in future years. And a couple of kind of data points on that. The the people who run the um, Hard Fork podcast for mm-hmm. the New York Times, whose full-time job is to stay up to date with all this in their last podcast, basically just said, it's our job and we are overwhelmed with the pace and well, the number you're of saying, amazing things let's happening. Let's skip to the uh, chase. You saying that this is a pivotal moment. It's like the beginning of, it's like the end of dial-up. You're saying this is like the end of dial-up. I reckon it's going to be as big in future as the birth of the internet is the rolling out of AI in all kinds of things in our life. Seriously? Not overhyped? No, no, no. All the people who are, you you know, um, head on their shoulders, careful commentators, are looking at this and going, we don't even know where this is going to go yet. Simon Pound, Ali Moore on the programme this afternoon, talking Posey Parker just after four, and uh, a colleague comes in to taste his very first Fijoa. What would he think of it? 25 past four, the panel.